I think all of us have been guilty of falling into the ritual of being a Christian, maybe the monotony or um, we read our Bible just so we can check off a box or we go to church on Sunday mornings because that's what we're supposed to do. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God wants relationship with us, that it's about relationship. And that if we leave the relationship out of it, none of it makes any difference. We might as well not even do it. So we're going to talk about that and how we see that with the Israelites in Psalm chapter 50. I pray this episode blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are reading through Psalm 50 as part of our devotional reading through Psalm series. And this is a Psalm of Asaph, starting at verse one. The mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my consecrated ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. 
Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats, sacrifice thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call upon in me in the day of trouble? I will deliver you, and you will honor me. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to recite my laws, or to take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction, and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil, and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and accuse you face to your face. Consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Psalm 50 is one that talks a lot about the covenant. So the law court was one of the foundational institutions in Israel because it would be responsible for making sure that there was justice given to God's people based on the laws that were set forth in the Torah. And so it would typically convene in the morning inside the city gate, and it will be held by the city elders who were both serving as the jury and the judge. And sometimes the prophets were used to portray Israel's pending judgment um, as a nation, or sometimes this would be about individuals and judgment for individuals that have committed some sort of sin. So in this psalm, the Levitical prophet, remember the Levites, the Levitical prophets and priests, those were the, the from the tribe of Levi. Those are the ones that were set forth for ministry. Um, they are serving as the witness of God's judgment on Israel. And so they have this false assumption that the sacrifice, meaning literal animal sacrifice, was something that God needed in order to survive. And we see that and that they think that in Leviticus 3, in 16, in, in Numbers 28, uh, in Judges 9. But that assumption was based on this Mesopotamian understanding of sacrifice in the greater uh, ancient Near Eastern world, there was this idea that the gods needed supplied with food. However, Israel's God is a contrast to the other false gods, because we know that, of course, he doesn't need food. Um, and if he 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 isn't hungry, but when he talks about the cattle on a thousand hills, he's saying if he ever did get hungry, he didn't even then need Israel's sacrifices because he owned all of the cattle on a thousand hills. And so sacrifice for Yahweh, for God, was not because he was hungry, as what you know, the other gods in ancient Mesopotamia would, would be doing. Instead, it's because that sacrifice is what would restore God's people back to right relationship with him. And so when we read about the sacrifice in scripture, we have to remember that the reason for the sacrifice in the first place was relationship. The, of course, in the Old Testament, there was actual animal sacrifice. In the New Testament, Jesus was the final sacrifice. We start off in verse one. Let me read. Verse one, the mighty one, God, the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. 
that is essentially three divine names that are be, being used all kind of together. But what it's doing is it's summoning the whole earth from the east to the west. West And the fact that God can do that, he can summon the whole earth, just as he has summoned this uh, people group, it, it's really essentially talking about his lordship over it. Also, there was three different names there used because there were different names that different people groups would use to refer to, to God. And some of them, it would go back all the way to the patriarchs, how they referred to God. Some of it was um, like the, the regular people, how they would refer to God. But the psalmist is using all three names just basically to declare um, God is Lord over everyone. So in verse two, when it says from Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. We talked about Zion a lot this week, but perfect in beauty is referring back to Psalm 48 verse two, when it talks about the description of Zion being beautiful in its loftiness. And we talked about the mountains and the significance of a temple being on a mountain. So you can go back and listen to that if you want some more information on that. But the blessing of Moses is really describing this interaction with God on Mount Sinai. And it's using that same verb where it talks about shining forth. And so it's an allusion to, again, this relationship that God has with his people and the way that he communicates with his people. In verse five, God calls these people a consecrated people. Let me read verse five. Gather to me my consecrated ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And so what we're seeing in this psalm is just language around the covenant that it's all based on God's love for his people because he desires this relationship with him. So this consecrated people or my consecrated ones is the people of Israel. And this setting of covenant is suggested um, in the sense of love. Like the word that's used there is hesed, H-E-S-E-D, which is about love, love and kindness. And so it's a term that's used a lot when it's when we talk about the covenant. But I think sometimes we forget that. I think at least I would think about covenant in terms of the law and what they had to do in order to obey and how to make things right. But we forget that the covenant is really based in love and God's love for God's chosen people. And again, down in verses 9 through 11, he's reiterating, I have no need of a bull from your stall. He's essentially saying that he has no need of the sacrifices. The sacrifices, the covenant is for them. It's done on their behalf because he owns all the animals and all the birds and all the cattle. He has a sufficient supply if he ever needed any, which he doesn't, but it's not that he needs that from them. And and I love that word picture because... God, even now, God doesn't need us. He wants us. God doesn't need our relationship. He wants our relationship. Now we were created to have a relationship with him, but he reaches down to where we're at because he wants, he desires this relationship with us. And I, I love that word picture and the fact that we see that even here in, in this Psalm. Now, all the way up through verse 15 God is talking to his followers, his faithful people. Um, verse 15, he talks about call upon me in the day of trouble. This is him essentially inviting his followers, his faithful people 
the Israelites to always look to him and depend on him when they have times of need or trouble, because God desires to respond to our prayers so that he is known as an honor, really, because he is the God who rescues his people. And, and it's the same for us today. The The act of prayer, it's not like God needs our prayer in order to act on our behalf. But instead, what that prayer does is it serves as this way for us to honor God because he is the one who, who wants to meet our needs. He wants to be that personal God that that builds this relationship with us. It's like this, you know, two-way dialogue where, yes, of course he knows what our need is, but he wants us to come to him. Just like, you know, I was thinking about this with my, with my one daughter. Um, I have one daughter that's incredibly, I, I, my daughters are all amazing. I have one daughter that's incredibly stubborn though. And there are times where she will be struggling with something and I know what she needs and I'm watching her struggle on her own. And I long for her just to say, mom, will you help me with this? Now, could I go do it for her? Absolutely. But I'm trying to allow her to have this ability to reach out to me because she knows that I will be there to help her. And, um, you know, I guess there could be an instance where I could just intervene on her behalf and do it. But if that happened, uh, I would miss out on this opportunity to teach her something or to be in the middle of the mess with her or to develop in our relationship together. And I have to think about that in terms of God as a parent and what he longs to be in our lives. Because I think so many times we try to do things on our own without even going to him when he is literally right there just waiting for us to ask him. So so I love that aspect and, and how we see that even even here in this psalm. Then when we get to verse 16, there's kind of a shift that happens as he starts talking about, um, he's no longer talking to his faithful followers, but he starts talking about the wicked person or the person that is not following him. So the previous verses were spoken to the whole people of God, but now the psalmist is turning to the wicked who are kind of falling within this bounds of the covenant, but they don't appreciate it. They don't understand it, or they don't have any regard for it. And so as he's talking, He's delivering this serious warning essentially to hypocrites. It's to people that they might pretend to be devoted to God or they might even claim the promises of God's word. How many of us know people like that today? But at the same time, they are ignoring God's commands and they're not even trying to conform to the beliefs or the behaviors um, they're really kind of just becoming part of an ungodly society and they're kind of succumbing to, um, the, the social pressure around them that is in opposition to what, what God is asking them to do. And this happened even within the context of God's chosen people. You know, you see this inside of churches where you have, you know, one set of people that is living for the Lord and they're serving and they're, using their spiritual gifts and they're making advancements in the kingdom and they're making an eternal impact. And then you have other people that sit in that same church that will sit under, under that same teaching that might even say, claim the same promises of God, but yet they are living their lives in complete wickedness. You know, they're, 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 you know, I knew of one situation where, you know, they, there was a married couple and the woman every couple months would come to church with a black eye, but yet that husband could quote every single scripture you ever wanted to know. And and I think about that when I see this turn at this part of this chapter, because that's not 
a situation. Having having hypocrites in our churches is not a situation that's new. It's a problem that's been happening for obviously years and years. But that's that's who God is addressing now. And so God is threatening to destroy them. Um, he talks about how nobody will be able to rescue them in verse 22. And in fact, those kinds of people, it says that they will be judged more severely and receive a greater eternal punishment. And I want you to think about that for a minute. Hypocrisy is something that I think we don't take seriously enough. Hypocrisy is something that God considers very seriously. And if you if you read this teaching... My goodness, there is a segment of the community who are violating the covenant and disobeying the commandments and essentially being hypocrites. And God is taking this very, very seriously. I think that's that should be enough to give us pause. And just in case you don't understand this whole sacrificial system that they had, it was really central to the Israelite religion. They practiced sacrifices routinely every single day. And then they also had special religious festivals and other, you know, national celebrations or other personal occasions. But there was never a day when there was not a sacrifice being made in the Jerusalem temple. Every single day, multiple times a day, there would be sacrifices going on. And so um, I think that is something that that seems foreign to us. Like to think about going and making a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice at a temple seems so foreign to us. Like it's it's kind of almost jarring. But yet for them, because it was part of their day to day, I think something sometimes that's what happens with us. There's an element of that where it kind of became routine. It kind of got to a place where it didn't maybe hold as much meaning for them because they were doing it day in, day out. And I I think that is something that we can relate to. I think, um, you know, you can go to church on Sunday because that's what you do on Sundays and then you, or you can go to church on Wednesday night because that's what you do on Wednesday night. And there is a danger there of getting used to that routine, even though the intention behind why you're doing it is good, it can become devoid of meaning if we are leaving out the whole reason why we're doing it, which is the pursuit of a relationship with God. Anytime we're doing anything just because that's what we do and we leave out the relationship with God, it's going to get to a place where it can lead to hypocrisy. It can lead to um, falling into the trap of, of, getting sucked into the culture around us. And I I think that is a really good point for us to remember and to kind of take some wisdom away from that even something for them as big as gathering the perfect animal to take for the sacrifice, like that seems huge, but even for them, it got monotonous and it got to be ritual and it got to be mundane. I don't think that is something that should be lost on us. And You know, truth be told, I think we've all been there at some point. I've been there in my own life where I'm even in ministry as you serve. I'm doing it, you know, day in, day out, because this is what my job is. This is how I put, you know, my groceries in the cart. This is how I feed my family. This is just part of what I, I do. Instead of recognizing, like, this is a calling. This is what God has called me to do. This is the opportunity he's given me. How can I, um be and do everything that he's called me to be and do. Well, the key there is relationship. The key has to be relationship. And so if we're doing those things in absence of our relationship with God, 
or just because we think that they're going to keep us quote unquote good with God, it's kind of missing the whole point. And, and it took, for me, it took a long time to recognize that if I didn't get to a place where I was first, like we talked about, um, I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before we talked about giving God the highest place in our life. If we're not giving God our time, if we're not giving God our attention and the best part of our, our time, attention, our day, and getting to a place where we are serving as an overflow of our heart, as an overflow of, of our relationship with God, then what's the point? Because at a certain point, it's, it's, it's going to, there's a, a dangerous slippery slope there that can get, lead to us becoming hypocrites ourselves. And it's not like anybody sets out to just be a hypocrite one day. Very few people do that. I think it's something that kind of happens over time where we lose sight of that relationship with God and we start grasping at things that we think that are going to fulfill us. And so that's kind of what was happening here with some of these Israelites. They were doing their you know, offerings every day, they were going to the temple and doing their sacrifices and they were doing it as a way to thank God, or they're doing it as a way to, to keep that relationship going as a way of honoring God. But God is essentially saying like, look, I don't need these sacrifices. It's not like I'm hungry. And even if I was hungry, I have all the resources I need. You're not doing this for me. You're doing it for you. And the fact that you're not, you're being a hypocrite here. You're missing the whole point. And I think that's kind of what we see throughout this this psalm. And when he's talking about the wicked and the ones that have broken commandments, you know, they'll say one thing and they'll do another. That's a real serious accusation. It's a, it's a real serious thing for them. And I think it's a place of danger that we need to guard our hearts against getting to, because what's happening is, is they are maybe saying one thing in the temple. And, and this is kind of relating to maybe the person that goes and, you know, will do the worship service and sing all the songs. And then really once, once that car door is shut and, and they're done for Sunday, then they don't commit their heart or their mind or their actions to God again until the following week. And so that's what we're seeing here. Like in verse 16, it starts talking about how these people are paying lip service to God and to the covenant and they're doing their duty, what they need to do. But really internally, they hate God's instruction. And he sees that. He knows that. You know, he he created us. He knows our heart. He knows our mind. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient, omniscient, which means he is everywhere and he knows everything. So we're doing ourselves a great disservice to think that we're pulling one over on him or that if just because we go to church on Sunday, we're safe. That That's really not what this is about. What this is about is God wants your heart. He wants to have, he wants to occupy that space in your heart that, that, relationship is what he wants from you. And okay, the sacrifices is how they were doing it. Okay, maybe you're going to church. It's not about going to church. It's he wants your heart. And you know, I would even go so far to say is there are people that I know that have really good relationships with the Lord that don't go to church. And I'm not saying don't go to church. These people are people that um, maybe can't go for medical reasons or, or whatever, or they're in locations where there is, you know, they're the only Christian and there's, it might not even be legal to be a Christian there, but yet they have such a true, genuine relationship with the Lord. 
And it makes me wonder, like, how many people are going to church on Sunday, but when it comes to actually having a relationship with the Lord, they're falling short because they're seeing it as, okay, I checked off the box. I did my duty for the week. I'm good. I have fire insurance. That's not what he wants. In fact, he says, I am your God. I am God, your God. The reason why God pursues us through the covenant, through this relationship is because he wants to be in community with us. He wants to be a place where he is able to pour into us and we are able to serve him because he loves us. Scripture says that God is love and it's that love that he He craves for us. I love that aspect because I think sometimes that gets lost on us, um, especially when it comes to things like maybe feeling like we don't deserve God's love or we haven't earned God's love. The reality is, is there's nothing we could ever do to earn God's love. And we absolutely do not deserve God's love. And yet he chooses to love us anyway, because he is love. That's who he is. And it's about God's love. It's not about our, our ability to behave. It's not about our um, capacity or any of those things. Instead, it's about this relationship that the God of the universe wants a relationship with us because he is love. I just love that aspect. So I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 50 again, given that insight. Hopefully that's helpful for you. Starting with verse one, the mighty one, God, the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets from Zion, perfect in beauty. God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my consecrated ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills." I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. But to the wicked, God says, what right do you have to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips. You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I have kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and accuse you to your face. Consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. God, thank you that um, the reason why you desire this covenant relationship with us is so that you may show us the salvation of God, that this is not about um, meeting your needs because your needs we can never meet. You are the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. So Lord, I, I thank you that you make yourself known to us. You make our, yourself available to us, that you bend down to where we're at because you desire relationship with us. God, help, forgive us for the ways that we perhaps 
settle into ritual or monotony and we forget so easily sometimes how it's not about the things that we're doing. It's about our relationship with you. God, I thank you that you are a God that forgives, that you are a God that pursues, that you are a God that makes a way when there seems to be no way. So I pray right now that you would just continue to reveal yourself to us through your word. And I thank you that the God we see in Psalm 50 is the God that, that continues to pursue us now because it's about relationship. We thank you and we praise you for who you are in Jesus name. Amen. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a new resource that I just found that I'm really actually loving. It's called the Spiral Bible. And you guys know me, I'm all about resources to help you get in the word because we know that the more that you are engaging with the Bible, the more that the Bible engages you. It's the primary way that God speaks to us. And so the Spiral Bible is essentially a Bible and a notebook all in one. It has pages that lay flat, just like a spiral binding notebook would do. And it's really the word of God for note takers. And so it's similar to some of the other resources we have, but it's much, much bigger. And also it is the first time I've found something like this in the King James version, which a lot of you have asked for. And so you can underline, write, highlight, doodle, draw, journal, all the things. And it helps you get more out of God's word and dig deeper into the scriptures. You can concentrate while you're reading and focus on what God's saying to you. And then also you can take notes to help organize your thoughts while you're reading. It I find that that really helps increase your memory retention and it helps your comprehension of scripture, which is the whole point. It's the reason why we do everything at She Hears and through the Hearing Jesus podcast. So if you would like a copy of one, uh, I will put a link in the show notes today. And then also I will put some uh, video and some photos of, of that on my Instagram if you want to see what it looks like. And I'll put a link there too if you want to check it out. They have all different covers, which I, you know, the cover, it's open. It's like a notebook and you're writing in it most of the time, but they have, of course they sent me a pink one. Um, I love it, but there's all different colors you can choose from. There's different versions you can choose from. You can do just like one book of the Bible. The one that I have is the entire new Testament, but I'll put it on my social media so you can see it. And again, I think it's a great resource, especially if you're somebody that has been looking for something like that in the King James version. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.